thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Well, morning everyone. It's uh, lovely to be with you and uh, a privilege as always uh, for me to be here. Uh, as a preacher, it's uh, always advisable to get the applause before you've preached. Um, and uh, so I appreciate the welcome. Uh, and uh, for those uh, who don't know me, my name is Phil. Uh, I'm a minister, in, uh, pastor in Hartlepool, in a Baptist church in Hartlepool. Uh, but I grew up in Barrow, uh, and I belong to this church. I grew up in this church. Uh, my, my dad was a, a leader here um, in the 60s, and then again in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, my whole spiritual history is uh, rooted in this church. Both my, my grandma, my dad, my mum all came to faith through this church. Um, so here I am, and uh, I love coming here. My wife, Margaret, and I just love being here just to see what God's doing in Barrow and among you. It's such a blessing um, for, for us to be here, so it's great. Um, Johnny's asked me to preach the last in the series on roads and rivers, and if you don't tell him, I've kind of extended it to sea crossings as well. Um, so uh, so uh, that's what we're going to do, and the passage is Acts chapter 16, and I'm going to read um, from verse 6 through to verse 15, so we don't get to do the really exciting stuff in Philippi, but anyway, so Acts 16 verse 6, uh, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Do, allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for, I can't say that, anyway, some place in Greece. And the next day, we went to Neapolis, and from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. And on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had, uh, the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Well, Way back, so I've done a bit of research because I wasn't quite sure what Roads and Rivers was about, so I listened to one or two of Johnny's sermons. Uh, and in the first sermon, he starts this series with a story that, if you were here, you may remember about his uh, encounter with Ali McCoist. 
uh, at a service station near Manchester where he said, hey, you're, you're Ali McCoist. Really wise thing to say. So I want to start my sermon at the end of the series with a non-encounter with Richard Osman. Um, my, uh, my wife is a great fan of Richard Osman. She loves Pointless. She loves Richard Osman's House of Games. She loves his novels. Uh, and uh, we were in London with our youngest daughter, and we were walking along the banks of the River Thames. Uh, and uh, my daughter, Hannah, and myself, we spotted Richard Osman. Not hard to spot, because he's six foot seven. And he's walking, he's walking towards us. And I don't know what Margaret was doing. Um, she was probably talking about the curtains in the Premier Inn or something or other. But um, we, um, we, unlike Johnny, I'm not an extrovert. And uh, I'm not kind of like going, uh, hi, Richard Osman, it's you, isn't it? Uh, we kind of like, no, I don't want to interrupt him. You know, I just, I've seen him, that's enough. And so we walk on past, Hannah and I have kind of connected, we've seen him, and then we say to Margaret, did you see Richard Osman? She said, what, where, how? Completely missed Richard Osman as we had walked past. Now, I've walked along that stretch of the River Thames three or four times since, and I'm always on the lookout for a tall man with glasses, or indeed any other celebrity, because it does seem like it should be a place where, you know, there's, quite, there's a theatre, there's all sorts of things going on along that stretch of the River Thames, uh, and uh, we're, I'm on the lookout for them, because my expectations have changed about what, what I might see, who I might see, and who I might encounter. And so the subject that Johnny's given me is expectations. And I think expectations are really, really important. And they're important in life, but I think they're especially important in the Christian life uh, and, uh, and our life within the church. And so the, the questions that I want you to be thinking about are this. You know, what expectations do you have for your discipleship? In the course of your worship this morning, you've been thinking about freedom. What's, what's your expectation of the freedom that God wants to bring into your life? What's your expectation of what it's going to mean to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to be his disciple? More importantly, I think, even than that is, what expectations do you have for this church? And by that, I don't mean what expectations do you have from this church. Do you, you know, I come because I, you know, I want to have lively worship and I want to hear good preaching and I want to have good children's work and it's nice, lots of people, it feels like a nice vibe. That's not the expectation I'm talking about. What expectation do you have that God wants to use you, this church, to impact this town of Barrow? What's your expectation about what God wants to build here and do here among you that will bless as many people in this town and the town surrounding? Um, that, what's your expectation of that? So these are the things that we need to be thinking about. And, and we also need to ask ourselves, who or what is setting those expectations? Because often it's the case, isn't it, that our expectations are set by what we have already experienced, what is there in our past. You could think of a, a couple of examples here in Acts where the word for expectation that's used in this, in this story of Lydia is used, uh, is used in, Acts 6, in other parts of Acts. In Acts chapter 8, there's a guy called Simon Magus. Do you remember him? What he wanted to do was he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, and be, have the ability to pass it on because he expected that you could buy anything that you wanted because he was a wealthy man. You could get what you want by paying for it. That was his expectation. It was set by his past experience. 
Later in this story, in Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer expected that the prisoners would have all run away. You remember that bit where the earthquake happens and everyone's set free? He's going about to kill himself and Paul says, actually, no, they haven't gone. They're all still here. You can count them. But his expectation was, this is what happens. <laughs> prisoners lose their chains. The doors are open. They escape. That's what they do. So our expectations are often set by our past and I wonder if that's not true with church, if that's not true sometimes in our own lives. We, have so, we can have low expectations because of our past experience. And as an encounter with Jesus changes our expectations, I want to suggest, the more we surrender to his lordship in our lives, the more he's going to change the way we think about God's purpose for our lives. There's a book that's called Give Up Your Small Ambitions. I think, that, I think that's what our ex, God wants to say to us. Give up your small ambitions. Have greater expectations of what God wants to do. Think about Paul. Think about his encounter with Jesus. It radically changed him. In his, in, and in this brief section of Acts, we're going to see seven expectations that we should have as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Seven expectations. Ten minutes on each. So uh, fasten yourself in. But even before I get to that, I've just got a few brief comments on the passage itself. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy are traveling through what is now modern-day Turkey. They've probably traveled 200-plus miles on foot, so they may possibly have been on the road for two or three weeks. Of course, if you're Paul Hardigan, that's only a couple of days. But two or three hundred miles for most of us, two or three weeks, I would suggest, on walking around. And at every point, their plans are thwarted. Verse 6, we read that they were kept by the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 7, by the Spirit of Jesus. And by the way, that's just, the Spirit of Jesus is simply another way of speaking of the Holy Spirit. But probably here, at this point in Acts, is there to remind us that it's Jesus who is leading them by the Spirit into this new phase of mission. If you remember how Acts starts, it starts with that statement that, uh, that this story is about the continuing mission of Jesus, the continuing ministry of Jesus. And here it is, he's re-emphasizing that as he says about the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus leading them into this new phase. And it would be fascinating, wouldn't it? I really want to know it's how God was preventing them from going where they wanted. He doesn't say, that's, that's the interesting bit, isn't it? How, how did he stop them going there? Was there a roadblock? Had they forgotten their passports? What was it? Um, was it circumstances? Was it a gut feeling? Was it a prophetic word, a dream? We don't know. But however it happened, eventually they arrived in Troas, which is a, a seaport from which you cross from Asia into Europe. And that night, Paul had a dream. Now, that's how we want to be led, isn't it? <laughs> we want a dream, which just makes it really clear. But actually, they probably just had two or three weeks of ongoing frustration, thinking, what in the world is God doing? How in the world is God leading us? And then God makes it clear what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to go to Macedonia. And now they arrive in Philippi, which is the central uh, uh, city of Macedonia. And a few days into their visit, they go to um, on the Sabbath, they went to the river, hence roads and rivers, with the expectation, hence expectations, <laughs> that there would be a meeting of Jews and God-fearers that they could join. And so they joined and they shared the gospel with a lady of wealth called Lydia, and she is saved and her household is baptized. So this is the story. 
So let's then think about the seven expectations that we should have as a consequence of our following Jesus. There are a lot more, but here are seven in this passage. Firstly, expect surprises. (laughs) Expect surprises. Expecting surprises sounds a bit like a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? How can you expect a surprise? By definition, a surprise is a surprise. Um, one of the things that I used to do with my daughters was I used to take them out on, um, you know, on their own to do something. Usually it was like the theatre or the cinema or something like that that they were into. And our Hannah uh, often liked to go to the pictures. And uh, this means that I have seen more teenage girly movies than, you could, than any middle-aged bloke should have ever seen in his life. But I've seen, I've seen them all, and the worst of them all was Twilight. Absolute. I still don't know what it's about. Um, but uh, she took me to see Twilight, and there was a character in Twilight called Jacob. And she had a bit of a thing for Jacob, and someone on, on her birthday gave her this giant cardboard cutout, life-size cardboard cutout of Jacob. Now, my wife and my youngest daughter decided that this would be a fun thing to do. That every time that I, well, not every time, but when I went into the bathroom, they would put the cardboard cutout on the other side of the door. So that when I opened the door, the first thing that I saw was be a man stood in the doorway. And I would go, ah, jump. And they did this I don't know, about a dozen times over the course of a few weeks. And every time, they got me. You see, you've got to start to expect surprises. You've got to start to expect surprises in the Christian life. God is sovereign. He does new things. He moves in unexpected directions. And here the leap is into new territory. It's moving from Asia into Europe. It's a new phase of 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 the ministry of the gospel. And it doesn't seem to have been in Paul's thinking, this is the leading of God. But God overruled. So I want to suggest that we should expect surprises. We should expect surprises in history. You know, we have been surprised a few times in recent years, haven't we? about what's going on in the world. You know, who would have expected that we would live through a pandemic? That was not on any of our agendas in 2019, was it? But we have. We expect surprises. We should expect surprises in the church, in the story of the church. We should expect surprises in your story. You know, God's got some things that you might not have on your agenda, some unexpected things that he wants to reveal to you down the line. And they're going to come as a surprise, and they might actually come as a shock. (laughs) You know, you might go, whoa, no, I didn't think about that. Didn't expect that, didn't want that, possibly. It might also be in your personal life that God has got some surprises for what he wants to do in you and in your life. Who he wants to connect you with, which new friendships he wants, how he wants you to be an influence. He might lead you into a, a new, new job, a new, a, a new kind of ministry. He might just open up a, a gift that you weren't expecting and you might suddenly think, I would never expect that I would be doing this. But God has enabled it because he's a God of surprises. So... Number one, expect surprises. Number two is expect to be led by the Holy Spirit. They were led by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit blocked them, it says. This is clearly what is happening. We may not know the how, but we do know the who. We don't know how they, di- they could discern the will of God, but we know it was the Holy Spirit who was leading and directing them. 
And it's interesting, isn't it, that Paul and his companions seem to be blown along by the Spirit. They went here, but they couldn't go there, so they went there, and they couldn't go there, so they went there. They set out, and they were blown in all sorts of diff different directions. And it kind of reminded me of what Jesus said to Nicodemus about the Spirit. Bloweth where he will. You know, and, and we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and often when we think about that, we have this vision of a bottle, which is, you know, either quite full or half full or not as full as it ought to be. But in actual fact, I've, I've read that it could actually not be about bottle at all, but actually the better picture of it is about a sail being filled with the wind. That that's actually the image and it's a better image because actually what it's saying is that we've got to hoist our sail and set the sail to catch where the Spirit is taking us. And I think that's a really helpful and useful way to think about the work of the Spirit. We've got to be expect to be led by the Holy Spirit. Led by the Holy Spirit, which means just setting our sail to catch His breath, to go where He wants to take us. God is always working by his spirit. He never stops. You realize this, our job isn't to try to make something happen. It's to join in where God is already working. So expect to be led by the spirit. Then expect God to close as well as open doors. This is a hard one. Those of us who've been on the Christian life a long time, we know the truth of this one. That God closes as often as many doors as he opens for us. And we often don't understand why those doors were closed. And this must have been, it must have been a really frustrating time for Paul, Silas, and Timothy. You know, you're walking. It's always good to know where you're going when you're walking somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> you kind of want to know there's a destination, that you've got, there's an end to this journey. But here they are walking around for two or three weeks, and they don't know where the end's coming. And sometimes we really see the benefit of particular action. Circumstances seem right, but God has other ideas. Paul's going, it's a really good idea if I take the gospel here. And he's try, he sets out and he doesn't work. And we might, as a church, say, it would be a really good idea if we did this ministry. And, and it might seem that circumstances are right for it, but suddenly, you know, you've gone halfway down the road and then suddenly there's a, it stops and it doesn't go any further and you're frustrated and, and people are, you know people can get a bit uppity at that point as well. You do realize that God does, lead, God does sometimes lead us in directions where he's actually going to shut the door. And it doesn't mean to say we haven't heard him. It just means that there was something else he wanted to teach us by taking us down that particular avenue. And it applies to churches. It applies to our lives as well in lots and lots of different ways. You see, often we can have a subconscious or even a conscious view that God's job is to bless what I want to do. <laughs> I've got this idea, I think this is a really good plan for my life, it's God's job to bless it. But uh, when we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, we're giving God permission to say no as well as yes, and possibly sometimes wait. Sometimes actually the best thing is wait, you know, God's saying actually, yes I am going to take you there, but you've got some things to learn before I get you there. You're going to have to wait for a while. So the fourth thing is this. Expect that God has a purpose for you. So these, it follows on, doesn't it? If, you know, if these other things are true, that we're trusting that we're going to be led by the Spirit, then we should expect that God has a purpose for you. All of, all of this does assume that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And do you know that? Do you know that God has a purpose 
uh, for this church, that God has a purpose for your life, and that actually probably the purpose for your life and the purpose for the church are very closely connected in many different ways. And it doesn't matter whether you're a brand new Christian or a gnarly old Christian, God has a purpose for you in your present circumstances. Truly, he does. I was listening to a podcast this week, um, and it was, about Iranian, it was about Iranian Christians, a revival among Iranian Christians. I don't know if you know this, but there's possibly now a, a million Christi, Iranian Christians in the world from, from 500 at sort of the turn of the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. God's just moved with power there. And I was listening to this uh, guy talking about uh, ministry among Iranians, and uh, one of the things that uh, he, he was talking about, this woman who'd been convinced, she was a handbag thief, which I would have thought was a risky job in Iran, if, if I'm honest. But that was her job. And she was, uh, <laughs> I don't think she was officially employed, by the way. But she, uh, what she did was she nicked handbags um, to feed her family. And uh, one of them didn't have any money in, but it had a New Testament in it. She started reading the New Testament, became a Christian and then contacted a number that was in the, in the New Testament to say, I've become a Christian. And the interesting thing was that what they were saying was that the guy said, my expectation is that this is a church planter. <laughs> that's, that's what they expect. I don't think it meant build a building like this. and It meant plant a church in your house. Reach a, a group of 12, 20 people. Gather people here. This is how the church in Iran has spread. But that was their expectation. It's the same in China. You know, they, when someone gets converted, they don't say, come and sit in church. They come and say, well, actually, we're going to train you and you're going to go and plant a church. What's your expectation? <laughs> What's your expectation of what God might want to do for you, in, in you and through you? He has a purpose for you and a purpose for this church. Then fifthly, Expect that God is working in the lives of those around you. Expect that God is working in those. Paul went to that group in Philippi. He expected that God would have gone before him, that there would be people who would be responsive. He knew there would be people who weren't, but he expected there would be some who were. And I suggest that often, and I'm certainly guilty of this, that my expectation is that God's not working in anyone. But in fact, can we have the expectation that God is working in some of the people that you know, that you rub shoulders with, that the Holy Spirit has gone before, and there is a work of God going on? Paul worked to a plan. He always started with the Jews and the God-fearers. And here in Philippi, there wasn't a synagogue, but there was a gathering for prayer. And Paul went, assuming that God would be working there. He had an expectation. We, uh, I know you do CAP here. We, uh, when I was the pastor of church in Redcar, we, we did CAP ministry. And one of the remarkable stories that came out, I'm sure you've got plenty of those as well, but one of the remarkable stories that we had was that uh, the lady um, that did the uh, CAP for us, a lady called Linda, she went to visit uh, this woman and uh, she said, she went into this place and she said there were black curtains, the walls were painted black, um, the, the woman that she was visiting was completely sort of overwhelmed with depression and everything. The first thing she said to her, this woman said to Linda was, don't you effing talk to me about Christianity. 
And uh, so Linda had this really heavy uh, time with her, and because this is what, because it was Linda, and because this is what Cap do, she said, "Well, I'm going to leave this with you anyway, and I'll be back I think next week to gather all this stuff that you have to gather when you're doing this dealing with debt." So she went. So she says, Linda said this. She, she went into the car. She put her head on the steering wheel, and she just said, "God, even you couldn't do anything with that person." <laughs> So she went back next week, she went in, went into this place, sat down, first thing the lady said was, I want to talk to you about this booklet. <laughs> and this lady, within a couple of weeks, within about a month, was coming to our church in Redcar. But no expectation. You can, you, we just cannot tell what's happening in a people's lives. So often we rely on what we see and what we hear and what we think, but actually... We need to have expectation that, that God works, that, and he is working in the lives of people around us. Because this is important. We just don't know when God is working in, uh, or in whom, but we should expect that he is. And that means we're not trying to make something happen, which doesn't mean passivity, but we pray, we look, we listen, we try to live faithfully, and we speak when it's appropriate. You know, if you're in your, a family context and you're thinking, well, no one seems interested. This is what we've got to do. We pray, we look, we listen, we live faithfully. And we talk when it's appropriate. Speak about our faith. Sixthly, expect a God, God to work in your oikos. Now, this is not something to do with Peppa Pig. But is the Greek word for our household oikos? which we might understand as our circle of influence, the people we spend meaningful time with. Lydia, it tells us, and her oikos, her household, were baptized. It wasn't just Lydia that God reached through Lydia's conversion, but all their circle of influence. We should expect that God is working in our circle of influence. That's what's happening in Iran. It's what's happening in China. They expect that God's going to work in their families, in the people around them, the people that they rub shoulders with. So expect God to work in your oikos. And then finally, and just to end on a cheerful note, expect opposition. Expect opposition. Because what happens, this is, it's a nice sunny story up to now, isn't it? Paul's arrived in Philippi, he's had a dream, it's all wonderful, God's really leading him, Lydia's become a Christian, her whole household's become a Christian, they've got a nice place to stay because she was a wealthy woman. And then the next story is about the servant girl with the demon following him around. And the upset that that caused, which led to Paul being imprisoned and uh, beaten and uh, tortured. Expect opposition, setbacks, and difficulties. Wherever God is working, there's going to be a reaction from the enemy. You know, and, and often we kind of like think, we, we just put it all down to God, or why is God being mean to me? Where <laughs> actual fact, it's because actually we're being faithful to God that these things are cropping up in our lives. Because somehow or other we're making a difference or we're making progress. So we should expect opposition, and it's often very subtle and difficult for us to read. Our lives are lived in the context of cosmic spiritual warfare. And I don't know about you, but I forget that all the time. But we, we need to hold on, and we should expect that there is going to be opposition. 
And if we expect it, then at least in some ways we can be prepared for it because the end of the story of Jacob is that actually there was a day when I expected it. (laughs) And so I reversed it. I crept out and I took the thing and I put it outside the bedroom door where I knew that Margaret and Hannah were waiting. And they opened the door and ah! Because they... Because somehow we can be prepared if we're expecting it. So, guys, I want to say this, finally. An encounter with Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything. His call to be the Lord of our lives alters our expectations. Our lives look really different when Jesus is Lord. And I just want to ask you, what is God saying to you this morning? Now, perhaps there's one of these seven expectations that God particularly wants to highlight to you this morning. And so I'm just going to stop talking, and in a moment I'm going to pray, but perhaps you want to think, what is it that God wants to say to me about my expectations this morning? And I'll just pray in just a moment's time. Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, when you truly are Lord of our lives, it changes every single thing. It changes our expectations for every part of our lives. And Lord, I, I just want to pray for these, your lovely people here. And Lord, I pray that you would speak uh, personally and powerfully to each person here. That they might uh, just know from, your, from you, living God, Holy Spirit, as you're present here. That, you, uh, that they matter in your purposes and your plans. Lord, that, uh, that you have a whole set of wonderful things that you want to do in and through them. And Lord, sometimes those things are hidden from us. Sometimes those things we don't even perhaps will never be aware of. But Lord, you have chosen us um, to do good works. <laughs> Uh, and you are at work in and among your people. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us expectations, expectations that are based on faith in the fact that you are a God who has a purpose and that you are working and that you want to use us to bless others by bringing them to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I I pray that each person here will just go uh, this morning knowing that they've met with you and that you've spoken a word of encouragement and hope into their lives. And I just continue to pray your blessing upon Springmount, Lord. Pray that you will continue to use your people to bless this town of Barrow and just increase their expectation, Lord, I pray. Increase their vision of what you might want to accomplish through them and surprise them in lovely and wonderful ways, I pray, with the future that you have planned and prepared for them. So, Lord... Have your way, we pray. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.